This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. Welcome back to The Exchange. And as you know, we love to talk about customer retention. But retention marketing is a very new discipline in e-commerce. And very few companies have a retention marketer, let alone a retention marketing team. But Shaperman is one of those rare exceptions where they've built an entire team to focus on retention marketing. And today we have Luis from Shaperman joining us on the exchange to talk about retention marketing as a discipline and what retention marketers do in e-commerce. So welcome to the exchange, Luis. Hi, Alex. Uh, Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, I think something I said in the intro there is an important first question for us to ask. And that's why do you think there's so many more acquisition-minded marketers in e-commerce than there are retention marketers? Hey, that's a great question. So I think that acquisition definitely gets more hype, right? Since you can tie it really easily to revenue. And it's usually a lot more scalable than retention efforts. Retention is hard, you know? Yep. Uh, I'm not saying that acquisition isn't hard, but it's, it's because of the nature of retention, which is like uh, you need to be in a lot of different channels at the same time. And it just sometimes retention efforts say, I don't know, this podcast, for example, having a podcast uh, for a brand is not always something that you can trace um, money to and from. So that's kind of like, it, it makes it not, I think it, it kind of like comes across as not so impactful sometimes. And that might be why more people are uh, interested in acquisition, right? Luis, this is Tim. I think you're onto something there because we're in in marketing now that we can measure everything, we do measure everything. So the the implication is if you can't measure its impact, then it's not impactful, which I, I do not believe to be the case. And I think your example about the podcast is, is a perfect one. Um, and I think having teams uh, like yours within a growing brand is fairly rare, actually, because so much money gets dumped into acquisition to grow, grow, grow. But so often brands aren't thinking enough around like, how do we keep these customers? So how would you, in your experience, describe the role of retention marketing and a retention marketing team in e-commerce? Well, as a retention team, uh, we are in charge, basically, of just making sure that the entire customer experience is on point, right? I think at its core, that's what retention marketing is for us. Um, And obviously, like for you to have some context, we split our marketing strategy in acquisition efforts and retention efforts, right? And uh, we usually only have a look at clients and the strategy to how to sell again to them obviously after they purchase from acquisition. But once acquisition uh, makes that first sale, they uh, are the client is handed over to our team. But uh, one thing that we've noticed is that just focusing on what happens after the first purchase alone, that's not enough because retention starts in acquisition. Uh, and I think this is very important. Why? Because say in Shapermint, we have a ton of products, over 100 products that you can choose from. And it really depends on what you were marketed 
in the first place, like how we sold you that first item, what you bought, the promise uh, of the product and how that product keeps that promise once you actually experience the product, mm -hmm. uh, that will influence your entire retention journey, right? Because it's not like different products perform in different ways. Uh, for us, one of the biggest challenges being in the shapewear industry is the fitting. And I know you you discussed this with the girl from NYX uh, in the other podcast, like yeah. uh, fitting a bra or fitting a panty is not something that's super easy to do in, in person and let alone in digital. So it really depends on that, that first purchase that might not have come from the retention team. It really sets the tone for the rest of the relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's up to us in retention to also uh, bring these insights to the table, to acquisition and say, hey, uh, why don't you uh, promote this product instead of this one? Because we believe that we might generate a healthier relationship with with a client uh after the first purchase so, so that's one of the things that we do that's really interesting and, and being a brand like shaperman who has so many different types of products as the retention marketer are you looking at for example like if you know that this set of customers bought a pair of leggings you know that they're like next like the complementary product to that is x so you're always going to be marketing that second product or it, it, how do you i would imagine with a hundred different products, there must be some kind of like logic that you guys are using for how to drive that second sale? That's an amazing question. We actually do have uh, such a logic in place, right? So we know that if you bought leggings, you will buy product X most likely on the second purchase. Mm. So we have set up some flows, not only over email, but also uh, omnichannel, just pitching these products at specific points throughout the the journey. So this is how we are able to like really make sure that one, you're getting the most relevant product pitched next to you mm -hmm. on, on your second, third, fourth purchase. And two, this is also how we tackle one of the blockers to really grow as a company because you know how you have to grow like in levels right like i don't know for example right. zero zero to 50 million dollars it's like one ball game then 100 to 200 it's another ball game so originally one starts like say dollar shape club right They're, they do the same thing or billy razors they do the same thing and they do it great like they start with one razor and then it, it comes to a point where where cpas just get extremely very high, right? So they have to diversify themselves and start going into, I don't know, shampoo or soaps or these other kind of things. So that's another way that we make sure that these people are aware that not only do we have these star products, but we like the product diversification strategy, right? So it sounds like in the grand scheme of the marketing team at Shapermint. You got the acquisition team, you got the retention team. The acquisition team is focused on getting that first sale and the retention team is focused on how do I get that second, third, fourth. But there's a very strong relationship between the acquisition and retention team because what they end up purchasing on that first purchase is going to have a huge impact on how you guys are going to market to them after that, which I think is fantastic and it's a great way to be doing this. A lot of times, on, especially on this podcast, we we give acquisition a really bad name, but it is important 
to be able to turn that into the retention efforts after. If there's no acquisition, there is no retention. So I think that was a really good distinction. And one thing I really want to dig into there, Luis, is on the retention marketing side, you're talking about acquisitions really easy to evaluate the impact of. Retention, not so much. So as a retention marketer and the retention team, what are a few metrics or goals that your team's ultimately focused on driving? Well, we do have some uh, like North Star KPIs that we look into. So uh, we have a repurchase rate per cohort, right? So that's something that we can quickly uh, have a look and just assess the overall health of a specific cluster of people, right? So say if we see a drop today in the cluster that came from last month, then we know that something went wrong in the product experience in that month. And we're able to just dive deeper there and see, okay, maybe the products from that purchase order uh, had a flaw or, I don't know, customer support experience, chatbot problems or issues or or whatever. So Mm -hmm. this is one way that we can really trace back what could have gone wrong and how we can communicate to our clients in order to fix it. Okay, so that's Mm -hmm. one, the repurchase rate. Of course, we're always looking into revenue and profit. And I would say that retention marketing, at least for us, it drives a lot of our profit. So since we're responsible for that, uh, we're always wanting to have a certain amount of profit coming from retention, right? So that's something that we look into too, uh, to measure the efficiency of our of our marketing efforts. Gotcha. So repeat purchase rate, the retention rate, um, as well as keeping an eye on profitability. And you mentioned something really interesting there. You were talking about cohorts. If you don't mind me asking, like, how do you split up those cohorts? Like, is there a certain time period that you're looking at? Yeah, we, we look typically 45 days and we split every 45 days back. But this is just because it makes sense to us this way, right? Because I don't know if I was doing it for another business, I probably wouldn't do it like that just because the way you measure it, it's inherent to the nature of your product, right? And here's where like the theory uh, that you, Alex, know so well about like the retention matrix comes in, right? Like what's the usual, the benchmark life cycle? The time between purchases? That one. Perfect. <laughs> you, you know the time between purchases for your specific product. Exactly. So for us, it just makes sense in this way. But for others, uh, I don't know, if you're selling coffee, you might want to have a look at a tighter cohort, right? Sure. That makes that, that makes a whole lot of sense. And, and I myself have come from the acquisition side of the of the equation. And we think about it exactly the same way. It's, re- it's really similar. We think of, you know, customers that or leads that we generated this month who have come into our world, you know, how, how quickly did those leads convert into a paying customer? How much do we have to spend to get them? Like what was the CPA? What was their lifetime customer value? And it just sort of goes to show that I think like that is the way that e-commerce brands should be thinking is if you're paying as close attention to it on the acquisition side, you you should be paying as much, if not more attention to it on the retention side. And it sounds like Shaperman's doing that. And it's just so important because like a a universal truth in e-commerce is that once someone makes that repeat purchase, that is the big point of inflection where their customer lifetime value really starts to take off. So it's, 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 fascinating to hear the way that you guys think about it, the way you measure it. And what I'm curious about is what does your day-to-day look like? So for, I, I know what an acquisition marketers look like, it looks like, cause I've lived it, but 
what do, what 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 do you do day in and day out you and your team like how do you how do you sort of structure your day and your week okay so specifically the way i structure it is coming from growth marketing methodology background i guess uh, i would call it like that there's a lot of testing going on like every single day we're testing things actually we recently want like a distinction from clavio out of all of their e-commerce clients we uh, executed the most a b tests at clavio wow. from all the clients they just told us this nice it's huge wow so we do a lot of a b testing and we do allocate a couple of days to just dive into the data really analyze really get some insights extract them and set actionables on what do we want to iterate and what do we want to do next? So it's basically the growth methodology applied, right? The rest of the week will probably be something uh, related to big picture strategies, right? And like innovation and testing out new channels, uh, testing out new ideas, how to make that happen. Uh, we do plan out our quarters mm -hmm. in advance, which I think is it's an amazing thing to do. And we obviously run by OKRs and all this kind of stuff. So we're always very much aligned and a lot of meetings occur, obviously, because we're a remote company. So a lot of alignment over daily and weekly meetings happens in between. Well, that's that's really interesting, the way that you guys, how you structure your day and your thinking. So was there a specific retention project that you worked on that's memorable for you or maybe a favorite retention project that you've worked on recently? So for me, content marketing was one of those uh, projects where I really understood that it's not always about money. It's not always about sales. It's more about the relationship that you build and it needs to be uh, founded on really value and uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, and like deep understanding of the, of the, of the cloud. Sure. So content marketing for us was kind of like, a, a challenge uh, early this year. And I'm not saying this because we weren't doing it wrong or something. I guess it was just because we hadn't gotten ourselves to the point where we could say, okay, like this is content that we know that our clientele loves. And what we did was we took everything we had, we threw it out the window and we started from scratch. So we really started thinking about uh, Ezra Firestone calls it the shared experience of the clients, right? Mm -hmm. And how we could really be part of it and how we can start building a community around it. So once we started figuring that out, mm -hmm. we literally did 9x the sales once we really started caring about the client right. uh, with, our, with, our, with, with our content. It's not that we didn't care. It's just that we really did not think of this shared experiences that, that we could be a part of. That's really interesting because you said like, hey, we started to not care so much about the sales and we changed our strategy and then the sales started to come by building that community and focusing on the customer. So it seemed counterintuitive at the start, but it sounds like it had a big payoff. Yeah, as I said, we had about 9x growth on the profit coming from the blog and our content channels. It was crazy. That is unbelievable. And Luis, I know from previous conversations that we've had that the Shaperman team is using paid social in their retention efforts. So I think this is really, really interesting because paid social is so rooted in e-commerce acquisition tactics. 
that I think it's hard for like, even when you were talking to me about this, it's hard for me to to comprehend what you're doing there. And I'm sure for our listeners, like they'd be very curious how you guys are approaching paid social for a retention play rather than an acquisition play. That That's something that we still learn from every day. And we've iterated the strategy so many times, it's crazy, but it it, it has worked for us. And we've come to understand that you probably cannot expect the same outcomes from acquisition paid socials from retention paid social. Why? Because in the first place, retention paid social, it's like it shouldn't exist. Why? Because you already paid for that customer. Why are you paying again to reach them, right? But that, that's like the utopia. And in the real world, you only get at the best 25% open rates in your emails. So what happens with the other 75% of, of, of your clients that's not that either doesn't open your emails that frequently or they just don't use email as much. So that's where we find that paid social can really help. And uh, it's just what, what we do is obviously we are targeting these individuals that would usually not be as engaged in the uh, traditional retention marketing channels and try to create a brand experience for them using paid advertising. And of course, this is the first step, but we're obviously now having a look at organic social, at uh, other channels, you know, like the app in the near future, blah, blah, blah. So that this is like in a nutshell how, how we envision paid social as a part of the retention marketing strategy. Interesting. So you see it as a way to break out of the email inbox and engage with those customers who have bought from you before. And um, you did a really good job with the theory there. Like, do you have an example um, just for those who are listening to kind of get a better idea? Like, so say I bought something from Shapermint, like what would I end up seeing on social as an example? What you would be seeing is first, I don't know, in the first five days, you would see a thank you for your purchase ad. Just that. We don't want to sell you anything yet. And then a couple of days later, you might get, uh, if you bought, for example, a legging, you would get some content that's going to be relevant to the purchase that you just did. So information about the product, how to wear it, how to style it, blah, blah, blah. And then later down the road, you might start to get some like hard sales, uh, which we already know which products you're more likely to buy. So that's kind of like the process that you would be seeing. And it's a flow. It's, it's a personalized flow based on, on what you bought in the beginning. So to summarize, it sounds like what you guys do is you know that person bought, for example, they bought leggings. So they're the complimentary product or the product that we think they're going to buy next is, I'm just going to make something up, a bra. So you, you take that and then spread that across multiple channels through like sort of like an omni-channel approach as opposed to doing it channel first and saying, this person bought something from us, so we're just going to start emailing them. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's it. And of course, we also take into account how engaged you are with email. So that way, we're not wasting money. Like if you're opening up the emails, then we shouldn't be on paid social, right? So we remove those people and, and we uh, only move forward with the ones that are not engaged. So that's the way it makes sense for us, uh, you know, to spend carefully. You guys clearly have a pretty advanced retention. I mean, the fact that you have a retention marketing team, I think sort of shows that you're advanced anyway. But it also sounds like, I mean, you guys have an omni-channel 
um, really customer-centric approach to how you do your attention marketing. For those who are listening to you today and sort of inspired by what Shaperman is doing and they haven't started, like where would you recommend someone starts to get sort of the foundational pieces in place for attention marketing? Like what should they do? Where should they look? You, you guys are going to love this one. And it's just Alex, uh, Alex, our, our <laughs> host here has an amazing, uh, reten- retention marketing foundation, foundational course on Skillshare that I highly recommend anyone interested in retention marketing, uh, to, to take too kind, man, too kind. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> There, it's literally like, uh, what is it, like 30 minutes, bro? And like, you can learn the basics of how to, at least the mentality you want to tackle retention marketing with, you can you can start to have a grasp of that there. Um, another great course that I found uh, that made a lot of sense is from Ezra Firestone. He has one that's called Smart Social or something like that. Uh, yeah, those two, I think, are a great resources to get started. And anything that's related to content marketing and, you know, buyer's personas and how to really understand not only like the, the psychographic aspect of clients, but like anything that promotes empathy heavily, mm-hmm. I think that's a great place to start for retention marketing. Cool. And we'll link those two courses that Luis was talking about in the show notes so that you guys can easily find them. And Luis, I guess for people who are a little bit more advanced, so they're not just getting started with retention marketing, but they're they're on their way. What's one project you think everyone should be focused on? If you want to get into retention marketing, you have to understand that it's kind of like a multi-channel strategy, right? It's not going to be as laser focused as acquisition. So what does this mean? Just roll up your sleeves and tell your email guy, hey, what can I help you with today? Tell your CRM guy, what can I help you with today? Or tell your app guy, what can I help you with today? If you can also get involved in content marketing within your company, get involved, write something if you can. If not, just try to get into the creative process of everything. Uh, And I think those places are the best places to start for content marketing. That's that's great advice and it reminds me of a conversation we had with the CEO of uh, a digital agency for e-commerce who talked about, you know, as soon as you start thinking about, about yourself like a brand and not like a product, then you start making decisions that are different and better for customers. So your example of, you know, focus on empathy or focus on, you know, uh, content that can actually, you know, help help your customers that isn't, here's why you should go buy our products. That's where I think you guys saw that sort of 9x increase. And the advice you just gave there of, you know, just get involved with the creative, get involved with other parts of the business, get involved with buyer personas and psychographics. So you're focusing on understanding the customer and that's where the good ideas start to flow from with campaigns that sort of eventually manifest themselves as retention marketing. Um, so I'm curious what, what you think is coming next. So you're obviously an expert in the retention marketing field. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think is the the next frontier for for retention marketing? I would say foundational work is still, I think, very much needed in the whole field thing. And this might be just me that I'm not quite aware of a lot of tools that might already be out there. Uh, But what I think is that uh, there are still many capabilities, say, uh, like Facebook just implemented this conversions API uh, thing. It's like, you know, an extension of the pixel, which 
maps and tracks things that happen after you know acquisition after the purchase right and it starts mapping that kind of things and uh, ideally what we will be able to do is just to start creating campaigns aiming to certain behaviors that are past the purchase so this kind of stuff i think it's just uh, starting to to pop out uh, because retention marketing start to to get noticed right why because after CPAs continue to rise, you have to still be profitable. You have to still be, uh, yeah, like profitable and, and just retention marketing is, is the way to go. Also, I think that hyper-personalization is going to be like increasingly improved and mixing real life events with marketing strategies for example, Glossier, they built this shop in New York as an experience to cater for their clients. So if you're a Glossier client, you can go there and you get like perks and you get to try new things. And it's like a showroom, right? Sure. And it's made for people to like take selfies there and this kind of stuff. So like these real life experiences, they are definitely part of the retention of a customer. I cannot imagine how impactful going to that Glossier store is in your preference for buying with them your next piece of makeup over, I don't know, whichever other brand. Sure. I think you're 100% spot on there, Luis, with everything you were saying. Like, yeah, hyper-personalization is going to become big in retention marketing. And even what you were saying with like, hey, there's so much out there, like retargeting, like we know someone was on our site. We know someone made a purchase and being able to um, do additional marketing on that. But as the space evolves more, we can start to be like, hey, this person consumed this content, they experienced this experience and be able to build an even deeper customer journey with that. I, I definitely think that is the next frontier. And I love those examples. Man, thanks for jumping on the show. Like you've gone so deep and gone into the tactics of retention marketing that I don't think a lot of people listening actually are privy to day in and day out. And if people wanted to continue the conversation with you, uh, where could they do that? Twitter, LinkedIn, do you have a blog anywhere where people can kind of get in touch, talk to you? I, you can find me like on, on LinkedIn and uh, I just started posting on Medium. So those two places, that would be where you could find me. I will put Luis's blog um, on Medium in the show notes so people can check that out as well as a couple social places where you can get in touch with them. Cool. All right. Well, as I said, Luis, thanks again for jumping on the show. Um, for everyone else that's listening, this show's for you. Let us know who you want to be talking to next. What brand, what type of people do you want to hear from? Let us know on LinkedIn and Twitter. And until next time, thanks for joining us. That's been The Exchange, presented by Luke, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.